0: A Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. Welcome to Tricky Kid Radio, where the past and the future meet the present for a fun mix of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Hosted by filmmaker and DJ Roy Turner.
1: Hey, everybody! Joining me this week—oh my gosh, I can't say enough. Uh, Legendary photographer. Fans of the show know I talk about this guy and his work all the freaking time just put out this heavy awesome badass tome of a lifetime of of stuff that you have seen throughout your childhood this is my childhood is in this book right here it's called the decade that rocked legendary rock photographer mark wise guy weiss is here mark how are you sir Thanks, Roy. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for that uh, intro. It's awesome. Fuck yes, my friend. So it has been uh, a, a, a minute uh, because of the mess uh, that, that kind of took over the world, but we're back to rocking. And I'm glad to be rocking with you today, my friend. Uh, let's start at one place. I remember you told me that this book told you, took you about five years to make. At what point were you just thinking to yourself, okay, I I, I got to somehow collect this stuff and it kind of makes sense of all of this. Walk me through that.
2: Well, that's why it took so long to do. I mean, you know, it's, it's 30, 35 years in the making, almost actually 40 years. I started, you know, the book starts in the seventies when I first started shooting when I was a kid. But um, yeah, it's just like, I kept putting it off all these decades and because I knew it would be an undertaking. I, I didn't really... I didn't want to start it because I didn't, I didn't know where to go. And, and at first it was going to be a, a different kind of a book. It was going to be, cause I thought it would be an easy book to do. And yeah. it was going to be on metal, the hair metal. So I, I figured it, it just use my, my biggest photos, with the biggest hair, probably from 1985, 1986, and just <laughs> do a collection of photographs. It would be kind of an easy book to do. Um, and then after we did it, after this goes back before the five years, actually. So this this was developing for another year and a half before that. I got it and I looked at it. I'm like, this is not what I want my first book to be. You know, I want now I, I said I like the process of making the book, uh, but I don't want this to be my first book. So I said, I want this book to be about me and my life and and where I started. So I started to embrace it more and take it more serious. And then that's when I actually started and that's when I said, okay, I have to do it year by year, you know, like 1980, 1981, 1982, and then see where how many pages it would be. And it ended up being like 600 pages. And I was like, okay, now we got to whittle this down. So each year I had to whittle down, you know, however many pages, you know, another 300, you know, cause it was only supposed to be a 300 page book, actually a little less, it ended up being almost 400 pages. And then I did that process one year at a time. And then eventually I got to 1990 and then I stopped it. And then I did the early years from 74 when I started to 80. So I had that like Zeppelin and Frampton and Kiss and Aerosmith, more of my stories of me growing up and kind of, you know, how I got my first camera by mowing lawns and right. sneaking into concerts and, and that whole thing. So it really is. It's my making of a photographer that's uh that uh, that had I feel, and I you know, after a, a lot of comments I've been getting feels like it had an impact on a lot of people's lives.
1: Oh, I could not imagine my life uh, without those images without, because again, you, you mentioned of course in the book that it was the decade where the image was as important with the advent of MTV and things like that. And so I, I often think like, sure, if I heard Motley Crew for the first time, I would have been interested, but it, when I saw what Motley looked like, as you can see, obviously I'm a massive Motley fan, uh, that, you know, and not, and not just that, but things like, you know, i I can remember like, you're, you're mowing lawns. I would mow lawns to make money so I could go buy magazines that featured, you know, your work in it. So, I mean, it, well, I think the most important thing, however, is at least for me was that You created this almost fantasy world in a sense. Like when I would read those magazines and look at this stuff, I felt like I was entering Narnia or something. You know what I mean? Like it was so pleasing. Was that on purpose or did that that just happen as part of the process?
2: Well, I was always, uh, I mean, Kiss was a a big influence musically and and you know, visually, they're such a visual band and all those glam bands from, you know, the dolls and like all those bands, they just had that that look and that mystique and and that fantasy. Uh, So I kind of wanted to take that a step further. And because of the imagery and MTV and how visual everything was, it kind of gave me that uh, that extra cloth to to create these kind of larger than life characters like, you know, Twisted Sister and the Stay Hungry cover or. Uh, you know, any any of the bands that I shot, and and they embraced the image and the look at the time because looking back a couple of years, there you know how do we do it? But it was the it was the right time, the right place, and and the and the kids wanted to be something different. They wanted their heroes to differently, and 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 then it did it did go to other bands that wanted to do the same, and it was just kind of like. know a formula of you know you do a video you dress up you 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 know you play the ballad you play the you know the hard rock tune and you get me to do their their album cover or their publicity photos and then it's a recipe for success and i'm just you know glad to be part of it and it just kind of progressed pretty quickly because i was only i was pretty young you know when i started it was circus i was still a teenager and uh it just you know, right time, right place, perfect storm. And uh it it just, you know,
1: it, it I it couldn't be happier to be there at that time and place. Right. right. But you also had some some pretty amazing characters to work with, but I but that doesn't that doesn't impugn your ability. I mean, you can you were given the clay, okay, but you but you molded it and made it yours. And I think I think that's that can't be overstated, and I think that's what wh- and why. People know you and associate you with this. A couple of different things. On one hand, I mean, I know, I mean, as you know, I'm a filmmaker as well. I'm a photographer as well. I I can only imagine what amount of work this was. But you also make it seem so easy in a sense of like, well, I did this. The next logical connection was to do that. And it just snowballed. But I would like to know was there any competition for you around those times in the early days? Was there somebody else that was like, why is this fucking guy always getting getting the, the good shots and the good shoots and getting all the access? Right. Well, I, I feel like every decade had
2: like like three photographers that kind of like cornered it a little bit. You know, like in the in the '60s, it was like Jim Marshall, and um, there there's a few a few in each 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 gener- kind of each. I call it generations. You know, in the '70s, it was Lynn Goldsmith, Mick Rock, uh, Bob Gruen. Uh, and there's more too, but I'm just to say a few. And with the 80s, uh, we kind of all sprung up at the same time. So there was me, and there was Ross Halfen that was in England, who was just starting out with Kerrang. And I was, I was starting out with Circus. And there was Niels Lozauer, who got his teeth in through uh, Van Halen. And, and, you know, he's a little older than us and, and right. had a little bit more under his belt, but the three of us all embraced that decade. We all love that music because we all love Zeppelin and Aerosmith and Kiss and all that. Um, so when the eighties came and we all kind of like, we're working with these bands and we knew that if you did a photo shoot with Motley Crue, <clears throat> you'd get them in hit parade and circus and all these magazines and then overseas. So you shoot one band against one background, it's money. So yeah. uh, if they were doing a video shoot or they were doing, you know, so we were all trying to, you know, we were in our territories, but I kind of outstepped my territory because I went to the West Coast a lot because, you know, a lot was going on on the West Coast, obviously. Right. So I was really hungry. I was very competitive. I don't know about the other guys, but I'm sure they felt the same way. And it was kind of a, I don't think, I think we got more photos because we wanted to compete with the other guys. So I think we have more in our archives than we would have if it was just one guy doing it. But, you know, there was a lot of, other players because you know you want everyone want to be a rock photographer so there was all those other guys that would start with the little bands and progress and and then just wouldn't get to that next level like the three of us did
1: well you know here's what also i think is to your testament as well so i'm going to make a reference here so so that our listeners can can understand i know that some of them already know this and i'm seeing some questions here was that let's first tell people how you and i know each other okay okay So in, uh, of course, obviously our listeners know that obviously I'm a filmmaker. I'm currently making a docu-series about the band King's X. Mm -hmm. Um, Doug Pennick was on the Jimi Hendrix Experience Tour in Red Bank, In the tour stop came to Red Bank, New Jersey. I was there with with King's X drummer Jerry Gaskell, who I guess you just happened to be sitting next to, or I know y'all know know each other and all that, but, but wasn't it Jerry that introduced us?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, when I moved
2: into the Highlands, uh, Jerry was living, uh, living there with his wife, Julie. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and we just hit it off. And then I told him I was a photographer and I ended up doing the King's X album cover. Uh, I think it was 10. The one that's outside and it was, it, we did it at Sandy Hook. Right, the original
1: uh, one called 15, right? Is that what it's called?
2: 15. That's it. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, then we just hit it off and I just, just become friends and we hung out and that's kind of, uh, you know, still this day, you know, we've done a few things together, but we're mostly, uh, you know, buds going to, you know, shows together and hanging out, having dinner and just having a good time.
1: It was he, and that's, that's your testament. Cause here's what, here's what's also funny though, too. I'll, I'll tell you was that through this process, I have been meeting, uh, of course, a lot of people, uh, that I've always wanted to meet, thought I would never would, and, but what's funny was that, you know, I I've met the guys in Pearl Jam and Narrow Smith and all this kind of stuff, but when Jerry goes, "Hey, uh, this is a uh, photographer, Mark Weiss," that was when I had my fucking fanboy moment. It wasn't Eddie Vedder; it was you, man. Like, because I because I grew wow. up with those magazines, like such a such a uh, no pun intended, such a mark for those magazines. I was like that's fucking Mark Weiss. What? And if you remember, I followed your ass all the, whenever we went to the hotel and you had some of your photographs out and how oh, you yeah, and I yeah. got along was because I, I was so knowledgeable about your work yes. yeah. that we, you know, I I was, I was all over. I was like, that's, that's the 84, right. games, you know, and all that. Uh, no, I knew more than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to be your archivist, right. To, to work yeah. on the next project, you know, but, but I, I, I tell you all that not only so the lizards can understand, but also this and I'm, I'm making a bit of a joke here, but here's what's funny. the guys in Kings X, we get along great, but we're not birds of a feather. Do you know what I mean? Like I mean I mean I have a really I have a really great relationship with them and and collectively as well as individually. But I'm not cool man. I, 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 the, as much as I love this stuff, I would have never been able to make this happen. Motley would have told me to fuck off. They, they all would have told me to fuck off. But that's what I'm saying. You were able to hang. Talk to me about that. What was the... I just, with Motley Crew. I mean,
2: I actually, I was already established photographer. I was doing these layouts for Wii Magazine. So I was shooting uh, half naked women with rock stars. We did Joe Perry. We did Ozzy. I did Rick right. James. I did Hulk Hogan even. And uh, it was a nice, cute little pictorial on uh and then they do an interview so when uh we were looking for a rock band uh we kind of put the feelers out and i got a call from uh bryn bridenthal who was uh the publicist over at the record company over on the east coast at electra and she said i got this new band called motley crew and uh i didn't really know anything about them at the time but she sent me over some music and i looked at them i'm like oh this would be perfect and when they yeah. uh, brought the idea to the band you know, Nikki was like, this is perfect. This is how we're going to meet the world. And uh, and that pictorial was like the first national uh, international exposure uh, in a major magazine. And uh, you know, that's how we met. So, I mean, you meet, you, I, you know, there was a modeling agency where I would go and pick out girls that would be in the shoot. So I would pick out a hand girls, show them to the band and say, are these, are they okay? And we all end up hanging out and partying and drinking and, and getting thrown out of Mexican restaurants and uh, getting in fights <laughs> and everything. So we kind of bonded right away and then we did the photo shoot and then it was even more awesome. And then we go back to the rainbow and then there's all sorts of shenanigans happening there, like in the dirt. It, um, right. So it, that was just like meant to be that relationship uh, you know, still strong through and through all of the decades.
1: But to, and, I, and I love that because, I, again, I tend to be a bit of a polarizing figure. There's people out there that just love, love, love me. And then it's like in your book, for every Motley moment you've had, you've also had your Danzig moment. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, And, and God knows I've, I've, I've had a lot of those. So I just think it's cool because you also had the look. You had the attitude. You know, you love the music. Uh, and to me, you can't separate you from – from this, it's like I mean, you were just as important, uh, not just to the visual, but just to how people got it. You know what I mean? I uh, I have a bevy, a battery list of questions here, so I, I was free balling here. But I I sit there and read this book, and it was so personal to me, and I loved it so much. And I would read a page. And stop and write down so I, I forgive me but strap in i've got i i've got quite a few questions here um so let's start i thought you're i thought you were, were going to say you love this a month you got a tattoo well that's that's next that's coming that's coming uh, uh, uh right now the COVID, the, the tattoo parlors aren't quite open just yet but when they reopen uh, that'll be the first one i get um let me say here i never ever almost never do this mark where i, I make a list but i had so many questions i didn't right. want to forget that's anything right. forget um about- it's what I'm saying okay so let's see here okay one thing I wonder you said just now how you mentioned about how you maintain these relationships through all of these years all of the quotes that are in the book did you reach out to those people personally to get those quotes
2: uh yeah pretty much I mean some of them were done when I first when the websites things started happening and I and I just would ask them you know to get some press and you know can you say a few things and then uh and then once the book took shape then i you know the writers would uh would would contact them and they would do interviews with the uh artists and you know the, the last question is tell me about mark and how your working relationship so it's like a half hour to an hour a phone call uh with the with the writers and then at the end they would say tell me about mark and that's where those quotes came from
1: Okay. Okay. But that's a testament too, because I mean, it's such a, th- this is your love letter uh, to that time and also to that time, to that personal time in your life. But I felt like that the quotes were kind of their love letter to you.
2: Yeah. I like, I like listening to them because, you know, you get it, you listen to the interview and then you hear them talk about me and talk about times we had. And a lot of the times, a lot of the memories, I don't really remember because I had, I had a, have a little um, memory issue a uh, first cycle accident I had when I was younger, you know, when I was like a teenager. Right. And so to hear some of these stories from very specific memories, uh, it kind of was very, uh, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a good feeling. And, uh, and the more I do it and their stories, and the more I wrote the stories and try to make sense out of it by looking at the photographs, the more it, I'm not saying like, all of a sudden I remember, but the more you read something, the more it gets burned into you and then it becomes your memory again, you know, so it still, I still, it's kind of like a therapy in a way.
1: Sure. In Little Rock, Arkansas in 85, like I was like, talk to me about how important having that, how that played into your success.
2: Uh, well, I was an hour from New York City. Um, uh, I really didn't go into New York much uh, aside from a few trips to some family events. But then when concerts started to happen in high school, I uh, was going on the party train and going into Madison Square Garden. And so, uh, you know, that's how I started discovering, you know, music and concerts. And then there was the Capitol Theater and convention hall in Asbury. So, you know, philadelphia so in my area you can go to like you know see the same show and maybe within two hours from each other maybe four or five times so a lot of times what i did was the concerts the first night took pictures and then stayed up all night and sold them and went to the other cities uh nearby so uh and take more photographs so it's definitely a it was a good pivot point uh and yeah if i was over in arkansas where they didn't have a lot of concerts it it probably wouldn't have been as, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't have as many images. I wouldn't have gone to a lot of shows. And who knows if my interest would have even, like, uh, you know, continued as much. So right. I was well, fortunate enough for that.
1: Well, I think it's important because I think a lot of people like to try to compare themselves and think, like, like you know, is... First of all, you have to have the talent and the drive and the desire, no matter where you are. And it's all there. We've already established you're a cool guy. But I think geography plays a lot into it. I I, I used to work with a, a band called, you know, you know the band Ween? They're from from outside of Philadelphia. You, yeah, I heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, right. They're like, like a cult band, right? And uh I was looking at their drummers like uh annual, and you wouldn't believe just the people he went to high school with who went on to do so many things. And, I, and so much of it had to do with the fact that because of where they were like the guy the writer for seinfeld used to work at a at at the what was the city gardens you ever ever go to city gardens in jersey yeah yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah. it's like you know john stewart was a bartender there you know what i mean like if he was a bartender in little rock you know it's right it's 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 the thing there okay um so here's the thing here. So okay. So here's something a little more general. So out of all for the front and the back cover, you had to really whittle it down, at least to, to this era, whittle it down mm-hmm. to two pictures. What made you choose this one? Uh, well,
2: it's besides it being Guns and Roses, because you know it's, it's really about the uh, the photograph in the moment, and that photo it's when they were opening up for Motley. They were on the rise. Obviously, they were definitely uh, doing some some good business. And uh, you know, I developed a relationship with Guns N' Roses uh, like a year before that. And uh, I don't know. It just it's just the way that that session came about. Also, it's like you know, I was back there. I saw Steven Adler, and he's like, "Hey, Mark, how's it going?" And I was like, "I was shooting Motley, and it was in Florida." And he's like, uh, "I said, hey, how about a..." Uh, you know, sweaty shot after the show because those are the the real cool photos. Is you get them off yeah. guard and everything. So he he helped me talk to Axel because remember Mark, we did a couple photo shoots with him. He got me back there, and it's like no one cared. You know, like they just did it. You know, they they gave me the time. You know, Axel came out in the bat and you know with the towel on with his boots, and it was just showed rock and roll. Everyone was like in its own little character and. That's what photographs are. It's like every, it's just capturing that moment in time, not planned. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I they wanted it to be one single image of a band and Guns N' Roses were, I, I mean, I, I wanted it to either be Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Van, or Van Halen, one of those, right. or Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so when all those pictures that I had that were potential covers, that one just popped out and uh and the middle finger was just awesome uh it meant a little something to me because my first shoot with Guns N' Roses Axel gave me the middle finger under under his belt kind of like because you know he didn't know me yet but he kind of gave me the finger and and then when he gave and this time when he gave me the finger he was smiling yeah so in my first shoot he was kind of like like yeah you want to photograph us because they were They didn't they didn't want anyone in their world in the beginning. But the publicist, the same person that uh, got me, Bryn Brydenthal, was now working at Geffen with uh, Guns N' Roses. So she said, you got to work with Mark. You know, I know you have your own photographer, this guy, Robert John, that was uh, doing a lot of stuff with him. Uh, But give him a chance because he can get you in the magazines and he's a good guy. And he did this. and He did that. So they reluctantly did the shoot. And that one shot was I remember Axel giving me the finger and I didn't. I saw him do it, but I didn't say anything. But then when he gave it to me this time with the smile afterwards, I was like, oh my god. Like, okay, I get it. So I, I found out later. And later it means like if he gives you the finger, he likes you.
1: So this is significant because this was your acceptance. This was, I mean, I mean, you had already worked established that was But I'm saying, but, but in that with those people, you know. Those that are listening to Wisdom, since we I, I held up a book and I didn't actually say what it was, I want every single one of you, not only right now, to Google the decade that rocked so you can see the front cover and see what I'm talking about. But while you're there, click on the link and order this book. Mark, tell, tell them a couple of different ways of how they can get the book because I know you also got some special offers and bundles and some cool shit happening right.
2: Well, you, you can uh, you can go to Amazon like anyone can and, and you can get the book. Uh, it's you know, it's it's a pretty good price on there. Or you can go to my site and I sign it and I throw on postcard sets and little posters, little the promotional things. And I sign it for, you know, a few extra bucks. And uh, and I have bundles with different photographs, eight and a half by elevens. I also have a gallery there. So if you go to the decade that you can uh, check it all out, or go to Amazon
1: and uh, order from there. Perfect, 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 perfect. One thing I, I also is very important to me is I love how you broke it down into each individual year. It also helped me with my questions because I could say, okay, this is from '85, this is from '86. It's also important to me too because I felt like that in right now. If you're, if I'll send you some links to it, but we're doing something pretty special on our show where I feel like that I'm doing kind of what the same motivation you had for the book. I'm trying to kind of make sense of my life and my career that kind of took place around the same time. And I'm, and we're doing these special episodes uh, that are like the 40th anniversary. Like in 2020, we did 1980. Last year we did 81. This year we're doing 82 and on and on and on. And so I I really, really related, related to that a whole lot and really enjoyed it. And so I, I, I'm, so I'm going to kind of go a little bit in order here. So people also can, can see it here. Let me ask you this. Okay. I just shot Judas Priest. I said, I'm also a photographer. I just shot Judas Priest literally on Friday for their 50 years of, of, of Judas Priest. Every time I shoot a concert, I have to go to the gatekeepers and I get the fucking photo pass and it's the, the typical, you know, three songs, no flash, and either you get to shoot at the uh, the photo pit or the front of house. Back in the 80s, was that still the standard? Or could you request more and get more?
2: no it, it, it's kind of like the 80s is when it kind of the precedent started really um I feel like in the 70s they gave a lot of access to photographers a lot of bands like Zeppelin but then they kind of you know after they got certain success they would you know tone it down because you know having 20 photographers in the photo pit is it is distracting to the artist it is. and uh, and the audience and all that so uh, you know, it can get kind of tiring night after night. Um, so they did whittle it down. You know, once once the band gets to an arena status, uh, they can, you know, call the punches a little bit uh, and they can find the people that they want to work with, the photographers. Fortunately, I was one of them. So after three songs, most of the photographers, you know, that have assignments, uh, they get approved by the publicist, get in there for three songs. Uh, fortunately, I developed a relationship or... Uh, if it's for an assignment for a magazine got me in there at first, uh, I would have access, not only access in the photo pit, but by the drum kid on stage, you know, backstage and everything else. So uh, for the handful of photographers that can achieve that, they have better access and they have say, better photos, but they have those photos that um, are, you know, more memorable and have have the, you know, have a little bit more than just three songs rushing. Because, you know, I feel bad. The photographers, the first shoot three songs, like, you know, you got to scramble, you got to shoot. And if you had more time in there, you take your time and be cool and look for your shots. Right. Um, So uh, it's a double-edged sword that the bands uh, are with because those photographers in the first three songs, you know, release a lot of photos that aren't so good because they don't have a lot of photos. That's right. uh, I edit my photos. I make sure that no, no photos go out that, uh, you know, aren't good, but you know uh, again, fortunate enough to be there and, and get in with the, the right people, managers and publicists to give me that access.
1: Right. But I also don't, you feel like, I you know, you can't put the toothpaste back into the tube. And what I mean by that is this, is that as somebody that has, myself who has been on the road with big bands doing arena tours and you know making this movie and meeting all these people and I know it sounds snobby of me but I'm just saying like to suddenly have to kind of go back to being that guy uh that's only able to shoot three songs and I'm not I'm not trying to act like like hey don't you know who the fuck I am but I'm just saying like it's not rewarding to me. I, I I don't want just to shoot these three songs of, of the show. I want to shoot it all. I want to be backstage. I want I want to get it all. And you know, it, it's funny too. I feel like this is you know how talk about, about Rob Halford who did the uh, let me see here. So as you can see here, Rob Halford wrote the forward in this book, right? And I have a great relationship and rapport with Priest's management and the publisher. Shout out to Jen Farhood and all that. But it's like I would love for Rob Halford to be in my movie because I need somebody like another successful, like gay rocker. And the list is pretty short, right. To, to kind of as a testimony to, to Doug Pinnock and Rob Halford would be perfect, but it's like, I feel like, and I felt, I feel like if I were to go directly to Rob, I feel like he'd be up for it, but I can't, I can't ever, I can't ever get there. I have to go through, you know, the gatekeepers. And I, 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 I juxtapose that with you when you talk about that Aerosmith story with you, with was it Tim Collins. Is that who it was?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What, what, yeah. Walk me right. through that.
2: Well, I'm always, I am I like to be politically correct. Uh, but I do also want to make sure that the, knows that the answer that if they say no, they don't want to do a photo. No, I can't have access to this. I want to make sure that that's coming from the artist. If I have a relationship with them. Uh, so if, if Steven Tyler didn't want me to shoot the whole show or want me to be there or even back for whatever, I'll, I'll walk away, you know, gracefully. Totally. But, if, but if one of the handlers that has power to not grant you that access, I won't accept it. And, uh, and I'll do whatever it takes to, you know, and it could take sometimes, you know, in Aerosmith's case, it, it took years to fix. Um, and in that case was um, I was working with Aerosmith. I became, you know, I had a good relationship with with both, you know, Joe Perry and uh, Stephen and, and the rest of the guys after they split. Um, and I developed a good, really good relationship. And then when Tim Collins became managing the band in like 86, uh, they wanted to get rid of all the baggage or people that they knew that, you know, we thought they were doing drugs with and everything else. There were bad influences. And I was the young kid. I mean, they're like seven, eight years older than me. Uh, did I party with them? Of course. You know, I mean, we all had fun, but it's not like uh, uh, it, it, it wasn't like I, I would give them drugs. They gave me drugs, you know, or they, you know, <laughs> I was stored in some, some Coke. So Tim's thing was get rid of all of it. I was one of them. And when they played in, uh, Detroit somewhere in, in Michigan, uh, Kalamazoo, I believe it was with Scorpions. I was hired by the Scorpions and they were playing. So I had an all access pass and I was told I couldn't shoot. And I was like, you know, what do you mean? Uh, and then, so I went up to Steven and I saw Steven and, asked him, he gave me his laminate. You can do whatever you want, Mark. What are you talking about? I go, well, he goes, okay. I got pulled out of the pit, literally, from uh, Tim's people, and uh, that was the last time I was able to shoot him. So, when Skid Row opened up for a few years later, I was told that if I even talked to the band or did anything or try to get a photo pass, that I wouldn't be allowed to shoot Skid Row, you know, the opening band. You know, Skid Row, who were my buddies, and I wanted to be with him, Same with Dawkins and a lot of other bands. So I had to kind of like hide from them, you know? And so I kind of, and when I realized it wasn't only me and this is what he was doing, I kind of like let it go. But then once they got rid of Tim, I reached out to the band and I was back in the saddle again, sort of say, you know, so... Uh, but yeah. What
1: what stopped you from reaching out to the band even while he was in the uh, while he was
2: I, actually band. I I did uh, I did I reached out to Tom actually I think it, I don't know if you would remember I think it was Tom it was they were opening up for uh, Doc and, and I said look I said I they're not giving me a photo pass and they're, they're not they said if I told them the whole story he's like Mark I, I don't know I, it's like you know it's like I'll you know it just seemed like they were kind of like brainwashed or something, you know? And, uh, and it's like, you know, I think he even told me that when they confronted the Tim about it, they said, you got to choose between either Mark or me. If you want Mark to shoot you, I'm out, something like that. It was just something ridiculous. You know, I'm only a photographer. So the band was really, uh, I mean, I don't blame them because they, you know, they needed to keep their, their, their band together and it was like very tied together, very loosely. And Tim was bringing it together and having success with it. So right, they were just going with whatever he thought. And, uh, and that's just how it was. It was really heartbreaking for me because ours was, it was my first picture in a, in, the, in a, magazine. It was my a centerfold of Steven Tyler. Uh, that was my first picture. And uh, I started developing a relationship pretty early on. So you know, there was, I was very distraught about it, but I, you know, certain things you got to let go. And if you hold on long enough, things come around again. So.
1: Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's the point, but you know, but I, I, it's just one of those things though, too, where I, I, I I felt like when I'm, was reading that story in the book I I could relate to it so much because again like I I know I in my heart of hearts if I were to have a one-on-one with Rob Halford he'd be like oh my god yes you are you you mean like you're promoting like positivity of being openly gay in the rock metal world yes I mean I I know he'd be up for it but I gotta I gotta get there you know And, and I think it's important for people out there to understand that that you didn't just immediately do this. You had to get there and you still dealt with bullshit. You know, you know what I, I mean?
2: Still, yeah. Still yeah, I still do, believe it or not. <laughs> I, uh, uh not as much, but uh, you know, I, I'm in a place right now where I'm archiving my material and I'm starting to do more books and I have a lot under my belt, uh, a lot of a lot of photographs under that is gonna come out and, and uh, you know i'm seeing the success of it the, the books in four languages it was just released in italy and it went to number 1 on the amazon metal charts and Fantastic. it's still up there and, and 2 years into into it it was released june 2020 it's still like there's only two or three books that uh are ahead of it on the amazon uh metal charts you know so that's 2 years in congratulations, it's congratulations like man it's, it's doing well it's got some good teeth into it
1: well, it deserves it, too, because here's what's cool, though, too, is that I remember you and I were texting you were saying this was like the first time you ever actually wrote anything because you know, obviously, you're the photographer, maybe you didn't see yourself as much as a writer, but what it but as a writer, what they tell you is write what you know, and this is your life. And so it, it, there's not there's no, you know, really room for failure there, because and what I love so much about is how personal. And the narrative that you have is so specific, it really, really puts you right there. We're going to take a quick commercial break just for one second so that the people...
0: We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Tricky Kid Radio. While we take a short break, let me assure you this isn't an ad you can afford to skip. Simply be entranced by my voice so you can hear from these great sponsors
1: hey guys while we take a break I wanted to tell you something about my favorite venue in Texas uh, and maybe the world over uh, If you have never been to the Texan theater in Greenville which is uh, it's you know a little ways north uh, on your way to Oklahoma uh, it's a I guess it's about an hour and a half maybe north of, of Dallas uh it is the greatest venue in the world the proprietor owner and just all-around badass barbara haran puts on one of the most unique experiences you will ever have in your life uh she approaches things from a very different business model that i think the whole world should embrace and we would all would be uh better for it it's just this amazing uh experience where you get to see uh one of your favorite artists up close in a gorgeous venue and dinner is included unlimited drinks are included Um, you know she treats her staff so well they're not getting the whatever the two dollar an hour and relying on tips Things she makes she takes good care of them literally none of them have had to suffer uh throughout the pandemic thankfully uh barb's just a great gal a great person uh, very creative and just uh just one of my favorite people and so if you're ever in Greenville or even anywhere near dallas make a point to visit the Texan theater and, and uh in Greenville and as you know we're working on our uh, uh king's X film project you know as you know I'm a Filmmaker myself And so we'll be Should we be talking about that Pro- Maybe in the context Of Tribeca soon uh, But we will be Having the film Along with a live Performance uh, With King's X There at the Texas Theater uh, As soon as we can Get this sucker done So so once again Texan Theater In Greenville Check it out Hey folks This is Brian O'Halloran You might know me From such iconic Classic films As Clerks Mallratch Chasing Amy Vulgar Anyway you're listening To Tricky Kid Radio
0: Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner.
1: Hey, everybody.
2: This is actor and musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and
1: Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner.
0: And now, back with more Tricky Kid Radio.
1: All right. If you just joined us, uh, we have legendary rock photographer, Mark Wiseguy Weiss with us here. He has finally put it all together right here to let us know that about the decade that rocked. And here's the thing. I was a part of this decade as a a much younger person, but but rock just the same. So what's so cool is that if you weren't alive in the 80s and you have an appreciation for this stuff there is literally without exaggeration there is no bigger and better source than this book right here I want people to kind of see a couple of things here uh one of the photographs that I loved so much is actually at the very beginning and actually I I marked the um the page there hang on let me find it it's right here I think at the very oh okay this right here I love this so much. This says it all right here. There is, I don't think there's anything more 80s in this book than that picture right there of Axel okay. Rose on the brick. And is that the act is, is is that yours or is that the actual no. phone? No,
2: it's, not, it's not, but I, I got it at a garage sale. I had to get it, you know.
1: That is so amazing. How 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 much did that cost in, in, in 2000 and whatever you got it?
2: I know. Right. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, when Axel is I did that shoot at the Sunset Grill um, and he's like, hey, Mark, check out my phone. You know, and he's talking on the phone. He's like, you want to use it? And so that was like my I made my first phone call from his phone.
1: That is amazing. I love that so much. When I was reading, and I was like, he's like, hey, look what I got, man. But he's wearing a Cat House Sunset Strip T-shirt. He right. So it's like it's like the, the 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 future and the past all in one uh one deal. And that's what I'm looking at right now. I mean, you still got the hair, bro. You look fucking rock and roll. You you know, I not much not much up here anymore for me, but uh you still got it, man, you know? Um okay. So here here's something because you know we're going to be doing a couple of different parts, but if there is one thing that I I got to say, as much as I love this book, there is one part that I was dying, like, like maybe, maybe the, the number one I was dying to hear about. And for and and oddly, it's actually absent from the book. And here's what I'm talking about. You mentioned about you're getting involving with MTV and you did the Bon Jovi uh, uh, house contest. I think there was the hedonism contest with Bon Jovi and all that. But right. before that, there isn't anything, and Mark, I'm telling you right now, like no exaggeration. I tell people that Mark Weiss is like Forrest Gump in the movie where he was at every every important event somehow that you've always wanted to go to in your life. And not just there, but in the mix. You know what I mean? Like there might be a guy out there that went to Live Aid and Farm Aid and maybe the Us Festival, but you were there and in the mix. But there isn't anything in, my, in this life, Mark, that I've ever dreamed about and wanted to be more a part of than the Van Halen loss weekend in 1984. And God damn it, I'm talking to somebody right now that was there. There is a, I talked to, uh, to, you remember Noel Monk? He was Van Halen's manager at a time back then. Yeah, we, had him, yeah. uh-huh. we had him on the show. He was promoting his book. And uh, and I showed him a picture. I don't have it today, but on our website. They would have let me go anyway. But as a 10-year-old, I must have filled out and we were poor. I must have filled out a mountain of postcards to win that. How did you get the gig? And walk me through it, man. Put me there. I've that is my favorite thing in the fucking world. Walk me through it. So, was that was there not a photo in my book on that? You you don't mention the last weekend at all. I don't. I don't. Yeah.
2: See, in the initial, it was there initially, and for some reason, like right now, it's like I'm making a note. So when we do another pressing. I want to add that because certain things just I don't know how it, it didn't make it because that should have been in there. well uh, oh,
1: don't get me wrong, I'm not disappointed. I love the book, but that I oh. mean I almost flipped like okay, this yeah. is great. I, where's Lost Weekend? I was like, where well, it's not here. So let's yeah, have it should have,
2: It should have been in there. Well, I was uh I did an assignment with for uh Faces Magazine uh in '83 um uh for uh MTV. Uh, just covering the, the, uh, covering the DJs and, and kind of, you know, so that's how, I, how I, I met them. Then I got an assignment from Us Magazine. So I started getting these big assignments, and I got to know the staff. And, uh, and then we kind of segued it into a monthly column in Faces. And the publicist, Doreen Lauer, took a liking to me and said, you know, we need photographers for uh, these walk-ons. So I started, you know, doing these walk-ons. I got paid like a hundred bucks and a couple hours, and it's a good way to move Uh I was there for Madonna's first walk-on interview with Mark Goodman. Wow, uh, I was there. When, I was there when Spinal Tap came in. I think there's a little photo in a there shot is there. yeah, yeah. And uh, so they were there introduced as a real band, and I thought it, it was a real band like everyone else did. So anyway. I, we had some good times and then they started doing the New Year's Eve show and they hired me for that and then they start hiring me for all these other special events and the last weekend was just another one and they knew I, I was already working with Van Halen and they, you know, it was like a no brainer like, all right, you know, we want you to go pick up these guys. They're from the East Coast. So I met them on the uh, uh, they picked me up in, in, a, in a limo on the on the turnpike on the way to the airport. And they didn't know where they were going, and I was the first person they ever met that had anything to do with this uh, on the way over, and so we became friends. We went on this this plane and this private plane, and and then the shenanigans began. And uh, you know, for me, it was just another day with Van Halen, uh, but, but with a little little extra on it because you know it was showtime, and yeah. they love they love putting on shows, and when the cameras are around, uh, it, there were it was always you know good stuff going on. So yeah, it was just. It was just another gig, and uh, I mean, I was already touring, doing stuff with Van Halen. They would hire me for, you know, a few days here and a few days there, uh, and then I do magazines, and so it was,
1: uh, it was a fun time for sure. But let's slow it down, though. Let's, I mean, like I want the okay? okay. So All you, right. So, so those two guys, those two nerds. By the way, did you see that little short documentary that those guys made? Yeah. You know, yeah, there's some. My, yeah,
2: they asked for some of my photos, so there's some photos in there of mine. Them, well, them in front of the plane, blindfolded, and uh, you know, them getting you know doused with you know cake. You know, those are all my photos.
1: Well, I remember that when you and I were gonna do something, obviously before the book even came out, you and I were gonna do something about your career, and I interviewed those filmmakers because they made a lot of like a lot of stuff that I like. Uh, and so it was just like, I can't believe that I already am a big fan of you guys and you guys are doing my thing the last week because I wanted to do. It. I really did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when I was interviewing them, I had just, I had just spoken to you that day and they were like, oh, well fuck, tell Mark, we said hi, <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, right. did, so, but what did you think of the documentary? Did you like it? Uh, yeah, I liked it.
2: I would I wish it was a little longer, but it was it was good. Uh I, again, like I liked it at the time. I remember I enjoyed it, but I don't remember it now. I mean, right. if, if if I would have watched it 20 minutes ago, I could have gave you a little bit more in depth on on you know what <laughs> right. I thought of it. I don't, you know, I don't remember it. it no worries. A lot of the stuff I didn't really like I didn't know it was that bad. Like I didn't know about the uh that the that the kid was, you know, had that problem and uh, so it kind of
1: revealed them all that stuff that I didn't know about. I, I, didn't, I didn't either, and and I, but I got to be honest, I felt like that 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 was what they focused on, and I felt like that that the reason why they focused on it was because that was the only thing they could focus on because they didn't have the access right. that they needed for- to really make that what it what it could have been. And that kind of goes that kind of goes for everybody. I mean, like I mean, the, none of the guys in Van Halen, I mean, obviously David Lee Roth wrote his autobiography thing, whatever. But there is, you know, it's like the most undertold story in rock and roll. You might know a guy named, named Greg Renoff who wrote the book Van Halen Rising. And, and this is no disrespect to, to, to Greg whatsoever. But after he put out that book about the prequel leading up to Van Halen, because the book is basically about their early days before they get signed. And Greg's a great guy. And we, we've had him on the show and he's a friend of mine. But what, what's crazy is I see these people talk to and about Greg in that book as if he was in the mix. And, and, you know, with all due respect, Greg doesn't know anything more about any of that than, than literally anybody else. And, and that was, you know, and so it's weird how people look to him as the Mm -hmm. authority when he couldn't possibly be, you know, and that's not a diss. I say that, I say that because you're somebody that was actually fucking there. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, the, the
2: difference between it is like he's a good writer. So he made him he made himself think that he was there, I guess, you know, uh, and me, i for me. It was just another day in the office.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but also I think it's also like the the, the the fans too. They they crave information so much that Greg might be the closest thing. So a lot of it, I think they've heaped upon him. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. let's pull this down for a second. So, okay, those and why would a, especially back then, why would a big band, why would they want a photographer to come on tour with them? Like, what is the uh, main well, thing? Yeah, uh, well, uh with me, uh,
2: they like me and they I kind of gave them something else to do with the monotony of, of a tour. Uh, then here all of a sudden you got a, a guy that you want to hang out with and better yet, he'll take pictures and get you in magazines. So it's kind of have uh, having a friend along uh, okay. and, and kind of, you know, just inviting someone over to your house for, for a few days or a week. And I would jump on from tour to tour. I would go out with Rat, then I would go out with Motley and then Ozzy. And, you know, I would like bop back and forth and for, you know, a few days, a week, two weeks, it depends. And, you know, so I never got bored. It's like for me, I just kept, you know, every band I shot, it was like meeting three, four or five new friends. Right. Uh, And and then there was the opening bands that were just starting out. And then here I I am. And, you know, I'm there all day. So of course I'm going to say hi to them and how you doing? I'm Mark. And they know who I am because of the magazines and they're going to be really friendly to me because they want to be in those rock magazines. And then we just, you know, get to be friends and, and they say, Hey, you want to come on our bus with us? And I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. At the end of the, at the end of the, the, you know, end of the few days I fly back or go on with another tour. But that's it. That a- i that went on for 10 years,
1: <laughs> the decade that rocked. Right. You know, but I, I make a joke about that because that's the difference between you and I, because it's like, they're nice to me when I, whenever I'm shooting them or whenever we're doing the filming, but it's like the minute we're done, we're like, it's like, you know, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, they like you, they want to hang out with you. You're, you're part of the gang. Whereas with me, it's like, you know they're they're nice to me while while we're working together, but in terms of the the social part, I don't know, man. I just I guess maybe I can't hang. <laughs>
2: hey, stop putting yourself down. It's you know people you know they gravitate just to, to certain people. It's not it's just you know it's just certain people.
1: You know. Well, you I'm are who I'm, you I'm, are. Having, I'm having some fun because 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 I, I I love the fact that like all the people that I've worked with I have fought and fucked next to and gone to jail with it. You, you know what I mean? And then at the same time, I have, like I said, the duality I was having some fun with it, but I, I just, yeah. I, I, I like that a lot because I, I like the idea of, and I want people to understand the person behind these photographs. Do you know what I mean? Because there's, because there's, you're an artist and you did this, but it really took also, there just, you could be the greatest, you could be fucking Basquiat, uh, but if, you know, if you were an asshole, they're not going to invite you on their bus, no matter what. I think that's, I think that has value. That's important for people. Well, to it's, just,
2: it's, not, it's not even just being an asshole. It's just about being comfortable. It's like when Ozzy was looking for, you know, a guitar player or a bass player, you know, he's got to think about who or any band looking for a new member or getting a band together. You want to find the people you want to spend time with and right. the people that you want to <laughs> wake up with or go to dinner with, or have, you know, do be there with at sound check and, and everything else. So, you know, they just, just like us, we all choose our friends. And, That's, right. That's right. And uh, whoever it is. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of friends and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. and, and being, and having that access to the, you know, getting, taking good images that, that helps too, you know, For sure.
1: Um. You mentioned, I said, I mentioned that to make the make the, the Forrest Gump comparison because it's kind of like you know he was he was impossibly at all these different places. Um, you also mentioned being in New York. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times. I'm a big I also. I do a show for iHeartRadio called called This Is Wrestling. Mm-hmm. You mentioned WrestleMania one in '85, and also the big one, WrestleMania three in '87 in detroit or actually in pontiac were you at both of those events too
2: yeah and uh, it's a shame i mean i need to do another book you know because uh i i was at both of those yeah
1: god Um, god damn
2: (laughs) and i have footage and i have photos backstage with like alice cooper and all the characters and ozzy with all the characters and ozzy with the police and you know i mean i was i had the access and uh uh, you know, I uh,
1: did. Mark, it, uh, take my fucking money. It, it, you also mentioned before we went on here. you ha- you actually have another book that you're working on? It had Kevin Dubrow on the cover. Let's hold that up for the cameras again.
2: Oh, yeah. This, this is just this is a mock-up. Uh, Got it. It's called Keep on Rolling. Uh, it's uh, it's it's the the story of Kevin and Quiet Riot before there was Quiet Riot. Uh, actually, while there was Quiet Riot with Randy, and then Dubrow in between when Randy left and Rudy left for Ozzy, and then back with Quiet Riot and Metal Healthiers. So it's kind of his story and his trials and tribulations, but it's not, it's not. I can't call it my, uh, I call it, uh, her name is Missy Whitney. And Missy Whitney was uh, a 16 year old girl who used to go to all the Dubrow shows and was just a fan. It was like the her first concert she went to and she, by sneaking into a show, And she became uh, friends with Kevin and developed this relationship where she became the fan club president of Dubrow. And then when mental health came, she was the official president of mental health and uh, it's her story and it's her photos and her letters. I call them love letters, but they were like letters because they didn't have any kind of relationship except being very good friends and respect for one another. And uh, they're all, you know, letters, postcards from Frankie and, and Rudy Sarzo did the forward. Um, and then awesome. when I was, I was at um, LA when uh, we had the memorial for Frankie uh, because we couldn't have the funeral. They couldn't have the funeral during COVID. Um, uh, Regina, his wife, uh widow uh, had a, a very nice, uh, you know, viewing and memorial. And I attended and I, I figured I'd reach out to Laura's Kevin's mom while I was there. And, uh and show her this like mock up of it and and let her you know let her know what I was doing and interviewed her and got a few words to do an afterward so that's going to close the book and it was just uh you know been working on it for a good couple of years and it's finally Fantastic. come to uh you know it's going to be a hardcover i'm going to i'm self publishing it i'm you know uh we did a fundraiser uh at first missy was only going to do like an ebook because she didn't have a budget. And that's how I became involved in this because she wanted the the cover photo. This is a shot that she saw. And he, Kevin was wearing this necklace that uh, she gave him as a birthday present. And she tracked me down and asked how much it would be. And when I told her, she's like, I can't afford that. And then I said, well, send me the transcript let me read it. And I read it and fell in love with it. And, and then we started working together. Then I reached out to Ron Sobel, Kevin's best friend that, you know, used to live with back in the early days and was the lighting director and photographer. It did a lot of these amazing photos. He has a book out on Randy Rhodes. Now uh, it's done really well. And uh, he contributed and uh, gave me a lot of those early year stuff. And then uh, a lot of uh, Missy's photos and uh, my photos from the Metal Health when I first started shooting them at the US Festival. So it's a kind of well-rounded book. I, I guess I can call it my book, uh, but it's really Missy's book and, and Ron's as well. You know, so it's a,
1: it's a collaboration. It couldn't be where it is without either one of us. Well, that is super duper exciting. Like I said I, I live for this stuff in that era right there. I mean, uh, Metal Health was one of the first. Uh, just pieces of music that I ever actually owned, and it was during the height of "Bang Your Head" and uh, uh, "Come On Feel the Noise" and all that. So I, I and I love that. Uh, about ten years ago, Benali produced a uh, a uh, a documentary. I forget what it's called, but it was uh, uh, "Oh, you yeah, now that you're here, there's no way back." The line from 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 uh, from Metal Health. Uh, you just mentioned Us Festival, and again, back to the to the Forest Dump comparison. You were also at Us Festival. Let's do the list. You were at Us Festival, Live Aid, Farm Aid, uh, and a million others. My favorite. Go ahead. Hearing Aid. Okay. So we're going to get to that. Holy shit. I can't wait to get to that. Um, But I don't go a week in my life in the last 40 years without saying, hey, man, don't be squirting water at me. I'm going to fuck your girlfriend, pal. And you were fucking right there in the pit underneath David Lee Roth when he said that. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. God damn, dude. Okay. (laughs) Talk to me about that. Because on one hand, that is like, easily the biggest gig they, they did at the time. And one of the biggest gigs they ever did at the same time it's also one of the fucking worst gigs they ever did in terms of playing walk me through that what why what was he on and why was he so fucked up i mean like what cuz he didn't even seem drunk he just seemed retarded like walk me through that uh, there's
2: nothing to walk through it's just david lee roth you know he he's he, he he's usually uh it, that was him on, on on and i say i don't mean steroids but you know like it's like his adrenaline and he, David feeds off of an audience. Uh, and when he sees 300,000 people, uh, plus in his backyard, he just, he's the king and anything that comes out of his mouth, it just comes out and I, I never could figure it out. I don't think any of the bank could figure it out. And he gets himself in a lot of trouble sometimes. And that night was, you know, watching like at the time when I was there, it just I, like I get caught up in the moment because I'm taking photographs. Uh, I'm not even listening. I mean, I'm listening, but I'm not. And when David talks, I always look at him and find it really amusing, whatever he says, you know, even if it doesn't make sense. Uh, and looking back, like a lot of us have and you go, oh, God damn. What, Eddie must have been like, you know, cringing and yeah. Uh, you know, and looking back, you you, you got to cringe when you watch that. Uh, but it was his party that night, and he did whatever he wanted. And uh, who knows his thoughts? I don't know. Was there any? Did he mention that in, in his book? Uh, did he no, talk about that night?
1: You no, know, I've talked to several different people, but I guess what I mean walk walk me through this. Meaning like, like you arriving at Glen Helen National Park there in San Bernardino. And, you know, you, you weren't, you weren't at Woodstock. It's probably one of the only major festivals that you weren't at. Right. But, but it's like, you've heard at that point, Woodstock was less than 10 years old, or I guess a little over 10 years old and already you had heard the stories. I want to know what it was like for you to walk in and you see a half a million fucking people. And then I know that Van Halen had this camp that was in the very back that was separated from literally everyone and everything else. Did you actually infiltrate the Van Halen camp during the Us Festival weekend?
2: Well, I was there. Uh, Sharon and Ozzy flew me over there. So uh, I was there for, with them to kind of focus on what they were doing. And I got there early because I wanted to catch everything and stay as long as I could. So I was kind of really focusing around there. Uh, as far as later on in the night, I honestly... I don't remember. I know I had a once Van Halen started. I was I started having some drinking. You know I was having some fun, and uh, I mean
1: I, I
2: I couldn't give you any stories from that. You know.
1: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Because I, I I know you know how you know how people know the Zapruder film. You know where where JFK got killed and they they rewind it and they know every pixel. I literally could speak to every pixel of that performance i've seen it that many times i've, I've written dissertations oh. about it like and so so for me like anything i, I live i'm an eternal student so yeah. anything else i could get from that would is i, I live for it, it you know it, um, is there anything anything juicy from that i don't know i mean that you know
2: is it, is it like under is it anything like maybe, maybe a little bit knowledge
1: of, is there knowledge from the you know back there Maybe a little bit. I, I, I. Th- I mean, first of all, I mean, let's walk through the factors for a second. Of course, obviously, at the time, it was the highest amount of money that any band had ever been paid to play any performance ever. So that's that's common knowledge. There's that. Right. Um, what they did ask for, what what Noel and and the band asked for, David primarily was literally Camp Van Halen. It was and it was in the very very back, and it was literally set up cartoonishly. If you saw it, if you remember seeing it like a platoon barracks like i mean it had it had literally a theme like a like a a military almost like base camp military base camp thing uh and and even mtv that was covering it wasn't allowed to go in there so they had to go get dave and walk with dave away from it and this is in the middle of the day and he was already fucking lit up man and he and i remember the line he says was he goes I didn't know what a floppy disc was. I just thought that that was a record that had been left out in the sun too long. Right. You know, and then a little bit later, uh, Mark Goodman is interviewing him and he starts talking all kinds of shit about all the other bands and they had to cut him off. And there's a transcript from that where he's talking shit about the clash and uh, wanting to fucking fight them and and there's, you know, some juicy shit like that. And obviously there was women everywhere in the whole bit. But anyway, I digress. Here's another okay. moment. Here's another fucking moment. Okay. We've now have seen the movie, The Dirt. Uh Obviously you were the very first people to give Motley exposure. You mentioned in the book at us festival, they, they were playing 200 you know, uh, people in front of 200 people in, in fucking Hollywood. And now they're playing in front of half a million people before Shout of the Devil even comes out. Like you saw pre-Shout Motley. And then, of course, they get some success shortly after that. Nikki Six does not visit Vince Neal in jail, but you did.
2: Yeah, yeah. Did I say that in the book? You do. Uh,
1: okay. Um, no, you didn't say the part about well, Nikki I, Six. I added that. I'm saying, I, but you know, people. Oh, know okay. That, people know that Nikki Six from the movie did right. not visit him in jail. Oh, right.
2: right. That's true. And, yeah.
1: And that's the comparison. I'm thinking, again, you know, he was at the fucking US festival. He was at WrestleMania three. He's also one of the only people that would that saw Vince Neil in an orange jump shoot behind fucking glass on a phone like yeah, that's well,
2: crazy man yeah, yeah i mean you know i was friends with everyone and i was in la and i asked the management you know i said you know how's Vince doing and i said you know can i visit him and they said yeah so uh they made arrangements and it was very you know very uh you know, he was very calm and, uh, didn't, didn't say much, you know, he just said, you know, I can't wait to get out of here. And, and, uh, and he said, uh, you know, when we get out, out, well, uh, I'll take you fishing. He goes, you ever go fishing, Mark? I said, yeah. When I was a kid down, you know, down in my neighborhood, he goes, well, I'm going to take you, we're going to go on a boat and we're going to, me and you, we're going to go out and do some fishing. I said, okay. So, uh, you know, gave him a hug. And and I also said, uh, and when we get and when you get out, let's, uh, let's do a photo shoot, you know, let's just do one. uh, You know, let's let everyone know you're okay. And, you know, we'll go to your house and we'll, you know, drive around. And if there's anything you want to do, and, you know, he's like, all right, Mark, that's cool. I'll take you up on that. And then when he came out shortly after he called me up and we did that, Uh, I went to his house, he dressed up nice with his gold records. And, you know, this, you know, just really nice just portraits. Uh, and then we went to, uh, I said, well, what do you usually do? You know, let's just do what you would do if I wasn't here. He goes, well, you know, I was supposed to, you know, do my uh, taekwondo or whatever it was. And and uh, I go, well, why don't we just go there? He goes, go put on your outfit and let me just follow you there. And so we went there and we did some photos of him, you know, just doing his thing. Went to the beach, you know, in his car and that was it. And then I think like a week later, we, we you know, we got together and we went fishing. And what was funny is, and there is a photo in the book that I put in the chapter opener of, uh, you know, he put the the bait on and I threw the, you know, the the line out and I caught, I caught a fish smaller than the bait and it was yeah. you know and 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 he, and he took a picture of me you know holding it up you know and it's in the book it's like a, i don't even know if you can see the fish but it's there and
1: uh, i'm going and i'm going to i'm going to drop that photo in as we're talking i'm going to have the the producer, the editors that oh, okay. edit this we'll drop it in so they can see it but out of all the things like maybe now with Vince Neil but Vince Neal, 1984, when he said, when I get out of jail, you would have thought he was going to say, we're going to do the longest line of coke. We're going to fuck and snort everything in sight. And instead he will won- you guys went on a fishing trip. <laughs> yeah. now, you, mentioned- I was, you know,
2: I, I was like, the you know, I, I was never crazy. You know, it's like, you know, I would have fun when they'd have fun and, you know, when, I ever get an artist by themselves. It's just the chill time. So that was, you know, Vince didn't need that. You know, he didn't need to go up that road right. and I would, you know, I was going to be the one that that took him there. And I just felt he needed a friend and needed, I really felt that he needed to show everyone that he was in a good place. And he was, you know, I mean, he was distraught. I mean, it was sad, but he needed something to distract. And uh, I was, you know he he agreed to do it, and it wasn't like it was a, it wasn't a chore. Just me and him, and that was it.
1: But yeah, so, so yeah, so fuck, take that, Tim Collins, you motherfucker, who thought that Mark was going to be a bad influence on fucking Steven Tyler. Here he was helping out Vince Neil through a tough time. But you mentioned that you were you gave him a hug when you visited him in jail. So was there not plate glass, and you guys were on the phone? It was actually
2: oh. In- yeah, no, no, it was very, it was very loose. I think they, I think we met outside, and he had the keys to lock, bring himself in. You know, it was very, uh, very, very easy. casual. It was towards the end, and you know, they knew he wasn't going to run away or anything like that. So, right, it, it wasn't like in the movies.
1: Yeah, right, right. people like, like the picture, and I, I want to kind of clear that up a little bit, you know, and. Um, but you know what's so funny though too is it because he was only in there for like a couple of weeks, right? It, it wasn't it wasn't that long. I mean, I mean, tell yeah. that to people that I think, it like, was, I think it was longer than
2: that, but I don't I don't know the, the statistics of that.
1: Yeah, I think it was like 21 days or something, but it was uh but it's just funny, but tell it the people that are in jail. I couldn't be in jail for 21 fucking minutes, let alone 21 days, man. You know what I'm know. saying? So right. um, okay. So I wanna I, I wanted to say this too. Um where are we here? Okay, I have that. I have that. We talked about that. Oh yes. Okay. Now, probably the second biggest thing I want to talk about is goddamn Mark. Okay. Um. After Live Aid came out, which you were also there for. Okay. That the metal community, uh, especially Ronnie James Dio, uh, wanted to do something. Uh, uh, and who, who was the benefit? It was for cancer or, or was it autism? Is that what it was? What, what was the benefactor for hearing aid? I, I can't remember, but um, there was a video, like they, they made a, like a making of the video uh, for the song mm-hmm. Stars. And I had that on, on VHS tape. And you know, like when you're really young, how you can watch something like over and over and over again? You know, know. when you're 10, like I saw Motley Crue uncensored literally 10 times a day for an entire summer. Anyway, I don't think that there's I, I have seen that hearing aid video more times than I've seen fucking Star Wars. That's how much it was in us. And it's just crazy that you were there. What what are your memories from the hearing aid? And I was so happy to see those pictures in the book about it. What are your memories from the legendary get together there for hearing aid for the song Stars? Well, it was
2: for uh I believe you know Ronnie did it because you know heavy metal always got a bad rap, you know. Right, right. And they you know, always thought we were this it's this bastard music that like is into cults and we don't wanna help people and and all these other things were happening and getting all this you know so he wanted to you know let everyone know it's like you know we care about people too and we know how much ronnie cares about people and you know later on everyone knows what a great humanitarian he is and uh they were raising money for it was fam- it was famine release relief in africa okay, okay. that was, what it was, was so uh you know they just wanted to, we want to be part of something and when they, Wendy asked me to come in and document it because I developed a really good relationship with Ronnie over the, the early part of that decade. Uh, I was like, I'm coming, you know, and I, I get there and it was just like everyone was just walking around. You got, you know, anyone you can think of, you know, Don Dawkins, Jeff Tate, and you got, you know, Tommy Lee, you know, lighting up with someone. And it was just yeah. a real like uh, high school reunion kind of thing. And there was no egos. You know, everyone was uh, doing their, their vocal tracks. And then all the guitars came in one day and did their, their guitars, tracks. And then uh, one day was the, the cover shot where everyone just kind of got together and did the uh, the chorus, We're Stars. And, uh, you know, you imagine all those rockers in there. There must have been 50. You know, Ted Nugent. Uh, uh, I remember Chris Holmes from Wasp. Uh, I think Blackie was there uh, anyway. all well, these characters cast the characters. And I remember, you know, trying to get a photo of all of them together uh, was hard. But, you know, you got to yell at them and and get them to pose and all that. Yeah. And, and uh, so it was just, you know, one of those special, another
1: special moment that I yeah. managed to get myself into, you know. Amazing. Back to Rob Halford, though, because the, the, the image that sticks in my mind the most, I think my favorite line or my favorite part of the song is probably Jeff Tate's. Like when he, when he, does, when he does the, the Colin, you, call, you know, they call you like that's probably my, my favorite part. But my favorite part of the video uh, was there's the thing of, of Rob Halford looking so fucking metal, standing there, like just kind of rocking back and forth, like listening to the playback of the mix. And he's got right. the metal bullet belt on. He looks so fucking metal and so tough and so serious. And, uh, and you get little Ronnie, you know, Ronnie James next to him. But uh, man, I, I could not ever exaggerate to you how what an impact that had on, on us. And I mentioned before how we do these shows every single year. I feel like I need to have you come on every single year, Mark. Every year that we're doing this, I should have had you on for the 1981. I should have had you on for the 81. We are going to use some of this for the 82. We just need need to fucking do this every year, dude. Okay. Um, uh, Okay. A couple more here. I know I've I've kept you probably longer than you expected, but let me just.
2: Also, I have a YouTube channel just called uh, the decade that rocked. And I, uh, you know, I put together a little. You know, tributes like I just did a tribute uh, when A.J. Perro died and I just reposted right. it and I, I mixed my photos in with some music. Uh, and I did one with a hearing aid when it was one of their anniversaries. And I mixed my photos in with some of the highlights of the video. So that's on my YouTube channel now. Wow. So it's like you know, it was some interviews in between. So, I mean, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of clips out there. And I kind of do my own little twist, adding my photographs. Uh, I'm doing one now on Cal Jam too uh you know footage that's out there but just editing it to the bands that i like you know like sure. Ted new sure. Aerosmith, smith foreigner and putting that together with some things so that's, that's something that i've been developing a lot of the interviews
1: that i do as well so that that's a good channel to go check out the decade oh. that rocked. it's called the decade that rocked. i will i will be subscribing yeah. the minute we get done here and that's what's so cool too because the because it was like one of those things where like after i got to the very last page of this I was like, fuck, I need more. So I'm glad to know that there is more and there's more coming. We did the list of, uh, of the festivals. I want to do a list of some of the, like, fucking dude, I had, the, like I said, the Motley thing, right next to my Motley poster was the cover to Cinderella's Night Songs. Uh, you, so let's do the list, Just a brief list. Bond, you almost, well, you did the original cover to Slippery Wind Wet. I know what, what it ended up being. You talk about that in the book. But Bon Jobe Slippery When Wet, Cinderella's Night Songs, Dawkins Under Lock and Key, Twisted Sisters Stay Hungry. And remember how we made the joke before about how, like, I'm a polarizing figure? Well, there is somebody in the rock world who loves me. And it's my great, great friend, Charlie Menante from Anthrax. And he's such a great friend of mine and I love him dearly. And and he's part of our King's X project. And you shot the I'm the man cover. Talk to me about working with Charlie and Anthrax.
2: Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite people too. You know, uh, he's just, uh, I mean, I didn't know it, but I first met him when he was like, just started the band, I think, or even before at outside of Kiss concert in 1980. And uh, he tells a story that uh, I was, I had a conversation with them and uh, and he just always thought it was really cool. And he's, he, and he thought to himself, like, well, one day we're going to have Mark White shoot, me, shoot our band. And, uh, and sure enough, uh, we did a photo shoot. Uh, before the I'm the man cover. And then when I'm the man came out, they wanted me, you know, we developed a relationship. They liked, you know, we liked each other, uh, the band and got along. And then when I'm the man out, they, uh, they just thought I was the guy, the right guy for the job. And Charlie came in early. I didn't know what they were going to do. And then Charlie came in, you know, early in the day, paint brushes and some spray paint and he created that. And then the band came, we did some photographs and had some fun and, and that, that was the cover. It was as simple as that, you know, and, uh, it's I wish so- I had that backdrop. I don't know where it is. I asked Charlie, did you keep it? You know, he's like, I think we just rolled it up and threw it out. You know, could uh, you imagine?
1: I know. I, you know, I, I asked Charlie about that too. He and I text all the time with each other about, we've been nerding out with each other all the time, but I, I love him. He is, he's the fucking best, right? He's the, that guy is the absolute coolest. And, and, uh, I've always have, uh, uh there's actually if i turn this just for a second here you i don't i don't know if you can see that or not but there's some stuff that i i did up here at the when the big four did the coachella and in uh, yeah, yeah. the yankee stadium like this is my stuff up here but uh anyway um make sure that's not gonna fall there hang on okay is it still there hang on yeah you're good i don't know what happened there hang on a second here i might have to have a producer come over here and anyway um anyway okay so, uh, you know, I, what uh, Charlie liked to do back then too was that he would have a list of people he wanted to work with, like on the back cover of, of City of Foria, of course is Mort Drucker from Mad Magazine. And, but before he was able to get that, I know that you were a long time on his list and we've have, we have talked at length about you, my friend and how much a fan of, of, of your work that we are. Um, okay, so another thing here too, where you know to to end the the decade that rocked, yes, of course, ladies and gentlemen, fucking Mark Weiss was at the U.S. the Russian Peace Festival. You've heard the stories about that crazy plane ride over there. Guess who was also on that fucking plane right here, Mark Weiss, brother. Walk me through that, man. Talk to me about the plane ride over to <laughs> Russia. Talk to me about getting there. Walk me through what your memory is of that experience that ended the decade that rocked.
2: Yeah, it's a good closure to my book. Uh, and I put that in the last chapter. It just, it was uh, just an experience, you know, it's, you know, you, you get picked up with, with a bunch of your friends that you have toured with for the last, you know, some 10 years, some, a couple years, Skid Row were just starting out. So there was the, they were like the newbies. And with all the excitement. So it was just it was just a scene. You know, you'd have uh, you know, Motley crew who were kind of just getting straight. And then you'd have Skid Row who would be, you know, drinking up a storm. I remember Sebastian like uh just passing out underneath the seats, you know, like uh you know, legs spread out and stewardesses just walking over them. It's like, you know, it was like it was like Animal House, but on a plane. And, and then when, you know, people would get up, they would start, you know, jamming and John would be singing with an acoustic guitar with Tom Kiefer and Jason Bonham was there, you know, hitting the back of the seat, you know, drumming. And I was just there to capture whatever I could capture. I mean, you know, I, uh, I had to make sure I didn't run out of film on the plane because I had to make it over to, uh, to Russia. And then when we got when we got there, I wanted to be the first one off the plane so I can get them coming off. It was kind of like the Beatles moment uh, is probably, you know, I wanted to just see, get their looks when they were just coming off. Uh, and that's just what I got. And that one photo is one of my favorites where if you look at that picture closely, I believe it's it starts out with uh, Vince and then Ozzy and I think John Bon Jovi and, and the the looks on each of their faces just tells us to be, and then afterwards I got them all together and believe it or not, I put them up upstairs and I was looking down and I was directing every, everyone that was on that bill, you know, up there. And with Peter Max in the middle, Peter Max designed the plane and I put him in the middle with the peace sign. And it was just like one of those moments, uh, kind of like, you know, Beatles hit in America kind of thing. Right, and, right. But, but and then,
1: then coming to Russia. Yeah.
2: And <laughs> then that whole week was just an experience. You know, it was like these kids, didn't even know the bands who they were but it's just they were excited for them uh, just the energy that they had it's, it was just quite you know, really amazing and, and the Russian soldiers were like they gave the, their hats to the to the fans and the bands and you know they wanted pictures with them and, and just uh, it was an amazing experience. It's so hard to believe what's going on now uh, yeah. you can't even comprehend it's the same people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's sad to hear. But one thing that has remained the same is that rock is just as big as it was back then. You even say it in the last part of the book. I mean, like I, am, I'm, I'm going to be going to Atlanta in a couple of, of of weeks for the opening night of a fucking stadium tour with Motley, Def Leppard, Poison, and, uh, and Joan Jett, you know? And so in a stadium, not at the state fair, but at a stadium, you know, Uh, But brother, you know, I appreciate you being humble about it, but uh, a lot of that I feel like would not have, people wouldn't, it wouldn't be as endeared and it wouldn't be as, people wouldn't remember it as much, I feel, if it wasn't for the images that, that, that went along with it. Like the shirt that I'm wearing, the poster behind me, these tangible things that you can own and hold and love and remember and cherish. Uh, and you put a face to all that, man, you put a feel to it and a vibe to it. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, you created this kind of, this kind of fantasy world. And it's just, it's fun to go back there, you know, whenever we can, you know? Um, okay. So I'm going to ask a couple of more, cause I realized I got so much here I'm going to have to bring you back here at least, at least a couple more times. But when was the last time you saw or spoke to Ed, Eddie Van Halen? Oh, uh,
2: I think I probably in the 90s right, at a NAM when he was doing some kind of NAM thing. Uh, but really, you know, Monsters of Rock is when I really, you know, hung and, and did all the backstage stuff with Sammy Hager. And that's when uh, that's and then on Jones Beach when he, when he did that one show there at Jones Beach in 91 or 92. So that's probably the last time, uh, you know, i hung. And then again, I, I passed by, you know, like at the NAMM show, I saw him said hi, okay. uh, but that's,
1: that's probably it. Yeah. So, you know, again, we're going to be celebrating. We got, we have a show called Diver Down, the life and legacy of, of Edward Van Halen. It's going to be debuting on our brand new show called Sinner Swing, the Van Halen podcast. It debuts on iHeartRadio on April the 15th, which is the day, to the day, 40th anniversary of when Diver Down was released. So we're going to be really focusing on that era. Uh, And one of the tour that supported that album was the Hide Your Sheep Tour. And guess who was on that tour? (laughs) Mark Weiss. Uh, What are your memories from the Hide Your Sheep Tour? What year was that? 82. 82.
2: Oh yeah, that was their, that was at their their height, really. Or you know, that was. Uh, I remember coming in. I remember David uh, wanted me to do photographs of them. Uh, just follow them around, like we would go on a day off and he'll fly a kite. Uh, yeah. And just do some, do some shots and kind of set up, but not really set up. Just we create our own environment. Uh, and then I would set up a backdrop backstage and I would, you know, shoot whenever, you know, they had a few minutes here and there. And, uh, I always get a band photo and during the later years, uh, being about that time, uh, it was hard to get them all together, but I managed to wrangle them in there. I think one of my last photos were, uh, right before the show. And that's always a good time. Try to make them not think about doing the shoot. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, just uh, there were a band where there were four strong individuals and they all had really distinct personalities. And they let me they let me in to to document, you know, Uh, they you know, I was still getting pictures in the magazines. They 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 love the they love seeing they love photos. I mean, Eddie, not so much, but Eddie just went along. Uh, It's funny, whatever I'd ask Eddie. If I could take a photo of him, he wouldn't even say yes. He wouldn't say no, he would just smile. So I took that as a yes. And, <laughs> right. and, and that was that's what it was like the very first time I shot him in 79 uh, backstage in, in Asbury Park. Um, just very you know, photogenic, it's David Lee Roth. I mean, he's like the rock star everyone wanted to be like. He was you know, he was like they were like the mold of, you know, all the bands that would come in the 80s. Everyone wanted to, you know, they had the throne um
1: yeah but what is if you had to pick out of all like i said you have been literally everywhere and have done it all you were at the fucking you know d snyder's on his way to a senate hearing who does he call he calls mark weiss you know you were literally all these different places and in the mix but if you had to pick one that was either the most memorable good or bad or just the one that sticks out the most in your mind if you had to pick one at least from 80 to 89 what do you think it would be what, an event you mean that
2: i documented
1: no just there's a, I- there's there's a moment in your career that is just okay. just Good or bad, but it's just, when you think of that time, when you think of 80 to 89 or whatever, there's this knee jerk reaction you have to, there's this one moment, again, good or bad, what is it?
2: Well, uh, it's probably the the whole uh, slippery when wet, uh, you know, that whole thing, because it was just, you know, getting to that point. And then when, you know, starting to do the first photo shoot with them coming into my studio, you know, with beards on, because the the first of the name of the album was called, called "Wanna Dead or Alive" right. or "Wanted," and and so that whole pro- the whole process of them growing beards, coming in the studio, making the poster, creatively, and uh, was really the most uh, rewarding because it just went from this to that to that, and then back again, and then it ended up just John coming into the studio a day before the album was due the our cover art uh with telling me to get a plastic bag and him just writing slippery when wet. It was just kind of like anticlimactic to yeah. all these productions to that. So that's you know, there's there's I don't think there's any photo shoot that could come close to what what we went through and the success that that any band would have in that decade. So to yeah. be part of that was uh being part of that whole process is really rewarding and and uh and a lot of fun too.
1: Well, again, we'll grab it here. Again, the book is called "The Decade That Rocked." Get this book, man. I'm telling you, even if you lived it like like Mark did, or you watched it from uh, a, a a tiny bedroom in Little Rock, Arkansas, as a young person, uh, or if you were born, you know, much later, and you want to, you know, you've heard about it. This is a guy that was there. He documented it. He made it again. The book is called the decade that rocked go online, go to decade that rock. Don't go to fucking Amazon, get this book from Mark directly. Uh, Every author I've ever talked to says that Amazon makes more money off their books than they do. And I say, fuck that. And also it'll be worth your time and your effort because not only is Mark going to sign the motherfucker, but he also is going to give you some prints and all kinds of great shit to make a great, you know, into a great, great bundle. This will make a great gift. And it'll also introduce you if you're unfamiliar to Mark's work, because it sounds like there's so much more coming. And speaking of much more coming, I realize, Mark, that there is so much I got to bring you back for. Man, we got to have you back for the This Is Wrestling program. I would love to talk about WrestleMania. We have a Sam Kinnison uh, episode we're doing later on. I know you were you knew Sam, and we're there for the Wild Thing stuff. There is so so much more. Uh, that we could talk about. And again, like I said, um, for people to get involved, make sure you check it out April the 15th. Uh, there's going to be some exclusive stuff with Mark and a bunch of other special guests. that I'm not going to mention just yet, you'll hear rolling out in the next few weeks. Um, the seller is called the, it's called diver down the life and legacy of Edward Van Halen. And again, it'll be on center swing, the Van Halen podcast exclusively on I Heart radio. Mark, my brother, thank you so much for being so generous today. I, I love you forever. I love the work forever. Uh, and again, I can't wait for people to see that are going to be seeing the video version of this, that whenever we were in, Mark, in your studio, there was those huge mock-ups of the original Slippery When Wet cover and, and all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, you know, it was funny. I also saw that you mentioned in the book, talk about how it's all kind of incestuous, was that you mentioned Derek Schulman, uh, quite a few times and you know I'm actually working with Derek Shulman right now uh, on this King's X thing he's actually kind of a not necessarily a producer but more like of a consultant and he's actually mm-hmm. the one that's going to be helping King's X finally put out this record that they haven't had a record out in 15 years and the last record they put out you shot the cover for so I I love that I love that great full circle moment of how this all kind of ties together so uh again and those of you guys that are listening on wisdom thank you for your questions thank you for your involvement we had 13,000 people listening uh during this that's uh that's got to be a, a freaking record there's um yeah right now we're at 12,960 people that's 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 not we just rocked in an, an arena together uh, Mark, <laughs> where, where and you... I just, I just want to say that,
2: you know, I'm the guy with the camera, but you're the guy that's really like right now you're 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 bringing it to the to the public. You're you're making sense of what I did. And I appreciate that. And, you know, you know, and you're doing this this great film with King's X, which is uh, so well deserved and so um, looking forward to because they're they're they underrated band. And, and, you know, a lot of people. You know, a lot of new fans they need to they need to find out about King's X, and once oh. they do, it, you know they they deserve that. And your help, you're bringing it out. So, you know, you're doing a
1: lot, brother, for this world of rock and roll. So I appreciate that. I, oh, I thank you, bro. That means the world to me, coming from you. Because again, like I said, you, I remember the first time I saw my my a photo I took in print. I was like, I you know I just had my Mark Weiss moment. You know, it was, it's 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 got. You know, it's named after you, so I, I appreciate you saying that. And and again, like I said, you know, it's such a it's such an underdocumented story and such an underdocumented band that 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 I feel like that if people were to discover it, uh, they would be fans of it forever. So you know, doing our best out here, and I and I look forward to being able to, to share more with you and and show and show you some more. I'm going to send you a, actually a new teaser uh, by via email uh, here very okay. very very, very soon. So you can kind of see it. And obviously I'll send you links to all of this that we're doing here. But, uh, but again, man, Mark, brother, again, I love the, I love you forever. I love the work forever. And I can't wait for for us to have a chance to, uh, to do this again. And thank you so much for sending me the book. I, 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 I loved it. Absolutely loved it.
2: All right. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course, brother. Cheers, man. I'll be in touch. The Decade That Rocked, Mark Weiss, get the book, get involved, and we will see you next week. See you. Cheers. I'll I'll see you, <laughs> Mark. I'll see you soon, brother. I, I'm I'm gonna again, I'm gonna send you a, a new teaser to uh to this King's X thing, and I'll send you the links to all this stuff that we're doing. And because it'll be just just audio portion, just about you. That this- good. Oh, keep me posted, brother. All I'll right. see you soon, man. All right. Bye. Cheers.
0: This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio. Created and directed by Roy Turner. Edited and mastered by Marcus Miller. Theme music by The Buckpets. Original score by Jocelyn Hunt. Artwork by Antora Sandy. Marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll join us next week.